Hey everyone, welcome to the Convenience Economy Podcast. In each episode here, we talk about how the buyer's journey has changed the way that software is being sold and how B2B companies either are adapting to these changes or being left behind. Now, here's your host and CEO, Greg Dickinson. Guys, welcome to the Convenience Factor Podcast. Today, i got two very special guests on here. We're going to focus specifically on something that I think wouldn't have happened five, ten years ago in the area of, of, of solution engineering, pre-sales, and the need for this great, gracious donation they gave to the community. So before we get into that and title and everything, let me start with Carrie. Carrie, introduce yourself and, 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 and what you got, what you do. Sure. Hey, Greg, thanks for uh, for having us on today. Kerry Sikalski, I'm the president and founder of Presales Mastery. We do one-on-one demo call coaching to really significantly uplift each individual SE's ability to deliver demos super effectively. Uh, we use a, a scorecard that has 103 different metrics on it to really track at a very granular level uh, how people are improving and how much. And uh, it's... Um, it's done over a three-month period, so we can really reinforce feedback and get it to be sales muscle memory, but it tends to be very effective. We see massive improvements, usually about 20 25% improvements empirically on demo delivery um, going through the program. Well, that's a follow-up conversation we're going to have for sure. So before we go there, though, Chris, go ahead and what, what, what's going on with you? Yeah, hey, Greg, thanks for having us on. Uh, Chris White, many folks, or at least some people know me for a book I published a few years ago called The Six Habits of Highly Effective Sales Engineers. And and, and frankly, that was after years of, of being in the field myself as a sales engineer, recognizing some of the mistakes that I made and, and had to correct, and then taking over a team of sales engineers, recognizing that they had been made many or were making many of the same mistakes that I had made for, for many years. And at the time, there wasn't a lot of training out there. So I created, this is actually in 2010, I created some training for them and that turned into the book I published. And then I had launched the business, believe it or not, in March of 2020, I launched Tech Sales Advisors full-time and we run training workshops for sales engineers and actually for AEs and SEs together to, to do team selling. And you know the, the one thing that sort of makes our program unique is you know i like to say sales training doesn't work for sales engineers because it it falls on deaf ears but demo training doesn't necessarily either because that's just one small part of what we do so mm-hmm. so our training is a, is a little bit you know it's it it covers the broader role of the sales engineer and frankly i work closely with carrie and our, our two programs fit very closely together so anyway that's a little bit about me and my my business and happy to be here Fantastic. And that's kind of why, you know, we are here, because I think what you both have done is, you know, I started my career at Ariba in 1997 in pre-sales. Prior to that, I was a pre-sales engineer, didn't even know it, right? I was in charge of, <laughs> hey, God, we're, we got this product, go out and show people to it, because we're really not the software business, but we needed to grow our business. And that led me to e-commerce, which led me to Ariba. But, you know, I think what's interesting is as 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 any organization, right, you have the A players, B players, and then you have perhaps C's and D's, right? And, and there was really no way to 
you know, gosh, it was impossible to say to someone, hey, I'm going to spend an hour or two with you and watch you demo, because if you don't, you know, how do you watch a demo, right? Back then, you it was a face-to-face meeting. Do I go to every meeting with your team? And that's just hard. So I think what you guys have done is said, hey, there's a way to improve people. And now I think with, you know, video and 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 in those aspects, you can review what they did and, you know, kind of like what Gong and Chorus are doing in the sales side, injection handling, et cetera. So hats off to you. And what I think, right, I'm making an assumption here, but I think when we talk about the pre-sales solution engineer buying guide, right, of technology, you guys were so close to the industry, you came up with this idea. So, you know, rather than I'll let you two, I'm sure you do this quite a bit, you know how to not speak over each other. But let's talk about that for a second. So for my audience, Carrie and Chris produced a document, a guide, if you will, um, that clearly wasn't needed 10 years ago because there was absolutely, you know, maybe one piece of technology for solution engineering uh, I'll let them tell you how many quote unquote vendors or suppliers or you know technologists, et cetera, were, are in the guide. So whichever one you want to start, let's talk about the buying guide, what it is first. Let's talk about what it is. Yeah, sure. So it, it, the guide is for people familiar with like Gardner market scopes and things like that. It's meant to be a, it was meant to really solve two problems, right? It was for the, the pre-sales buying community that was out there. We, Chris and I recognized pretty early on that despite the fact that this space was really exploding over the last two years, there was a gap in terms of awareness. There wasn't a a, a universal awareness in terms of all the vendors that were out there. Uh, Some of them focus on marketing and do a great job of that. They've raised lots of money. They've, They've gotten their names out there really well. A lot of them focus on the product and they haven't really necessarily made themselves as well known as, as they could be. And so we wanted to help the vendors sort of get, you know, close out awareness gap, but there was also a clarity gap. And that was, it was really confusing to a lot of buyers out there in terms of what each of the vendors actually did and what problems they solved, what use cases they addressed. And so uh, Chris and I got to, to, to chatting and felt that the market had sort of hit uh, a critical mass in terms of there were enough vendors in the space now, they were getting enough traction that it justified some sort of clarity around what was going on in the market. And there really wasn't much out there. Uh, there wasn't really a report like this. In fact, the, the G2 pre-sales category didn't exist until about a month ago. And so we decided uh, last August to approach a bunch of the vendors and see if there was an appetite to participate in this type of exercise. And we decided very early on that this was not going to be a pay-to-play type of exercise. We didn't want to artificially restrict who was involved uh, because we wanted to be as inclusive as possible to make the report as useful as possible. And we got a really, really warm reception from the community that this was something that the vendors really wanted to participate in. So that was kind of nice. And of the 24 vendors that we originally invited to participate, 21 agreed to uh, to join our little uh, fledgling survey slash report. Uh, and we went through this long sort of six month engagement where we did a ton of research. We interviewed the vendors in terms of where do they position themselves in the market? How do they see themselves compared to the competition? What use cases are they solving? We did deep demos with each of them. Uh, we sent out pretty detailed RFIs and RFPs, which you know the pre-sales audience obviously very familiar with, uh, <laughs> and, and capture a lot of information. And you know we we came out with what we think is a, a really interesting report. And and one of the the sort of benefits of going through this exercise was that Chris and I came up with 
a, a way to look at the marketplace in a logical manner. There's a lot of different types of vendors that are out there. And we came up with five sort of focus areas that we're calling kind of like subcategories that really we think help, will help pre-sales leaders identify A, where their biggest problems are, and then prioritize based on that where they should be focusing their investment. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, listen, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm an afterthought in your book because we were we're one of those that focused on product and not marketing and 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 listen shame on us right but at the end of the day we've got huge successful customers and now we'll go and spend money on marketing but but more importantly when I when I listened to your first webinar about that and when I kind of got the, the the book I think overall it helped right it, you know who are we who you know and from a buying perspective right understanding that hey you know solution engineering, pre-sales automation, right? Okay, what, oh, well, it's an RFP category. There's the demo category. There's the, and then, and then within the demo category, right? I mean, it, I think it, it helps. When I talk to people now, I can clearly say, hey, yeah, there's some, there's some great products out there, great companies. Listen, and to me, there's really no competition because um, the, the market is not that mature yet. And you, you add them all together, we have X number of customers and it's not measured in the thousands, right? I don't care how big people are and what they've done. It just, that the money hasn't been there yet, right? So I think what you guys are doing is saying, hey, let's help that industry grow. Um, my hat's off to you because you look at, um, you know, a good friend of mine that started a, 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 a kind of start off as a blog called Spend Matters, and he became the resident expert in e-procurement, right? Because he did what you did. He just went out and started gathering data and information. And then, you know, he made it into a business eventually where, you know, where people would, buyers would pay for the research he did, right? Because it was extensive. You know, listen, partner charges a lot of money, right? For what for what you get from them. And, and they're typically, I think, I think what I really um, what people need to kind of think about what you guys went ahead and did is someday Gartner will have some information about the space, but it, it's been such a afterthought in the industry, right? Of, oh, solution engineering, grab the projector, get plug it in, get the screen ready. And when the sales guy stops talking 48 minutes into a 60 minute call, it's your turn to show them everything we have to do, right? I mean, listen, I'm not being sarcastic. I was in that role, right? Um, so I, you know, I think what I think what you've done is, it, you know, hats off to you. So Chris, walk me a little bit more into that a little bit, right? So we got we got um, your buying community was a goal. Clearly, there clearly there was a gap. 24 vendors. You're not gonna talk about each vendor, but but, but overall, like what what did you guys learn that you went, holy crap, I never thought of that. Like like give me some of that, right? The, the, yeah. the behind the scenes stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 really good, and you know. Some of the key observations that we made, Greg, first, it's it's really impressive. I mean, you you said five years ago, I'll, I'll say three years ago, there, there, there wasn't the market for this. I would say the majority of the vendors in the study were were founded th three years or less. So, you know, and and one of the observations is what they've built, I'm going to say collectively, is really impressive. There, there are some really impressive capabilities out on the market. So, so that that was sort sort of the, the the first observation. And things are the products are changing very rapidly. Expectations are changing very rapidly. So, and and it's you know to to your point, one of the things that we've said is if you're thinking about these solutions, you really need to consider the product, and the company, and the people behind the company. And the the maturity of the product doesn't necessarily and versus the maturity of the company aren't necessarily, you know, 
a good indicator, right? So there's some organizations that have been around for, you know, 10 years, right? Or, or at least the, the product's been around, but they're, they're not a, a very mature company or vice versa. So th that, that was, that was one. The other thing is, or another thing is the taxonomy or the, the terminology is very different in this space across the board from different vendors. Think about CRM. If, if, if you, if you, if you open, and, and by the way, studies have shown that there's something like 400 CRM tools or more, more than 400 tool, CRM tools. What would you expect to see in a CRM? Account, contact, lead, opportunity, right? I mean, there's, there's some basic fundamental data you would expect to see. You look across the tools and even in the, within the different focus areas, they use very different terminology. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. even terms like demo, the word demo or the object demo is different in in you know the the tools in in the the demo automation yeah. space. Yeah. Um, one other observation that that I'll make, and then I'll and then I'll I'll, I'll invite Carrie to share is. And this should this should come to no surprise to anyone who sells software. Before you invest in one of these solutions, you really need to think about your process and your methodology. Just buying a tool is is not going to to solve problems, right? You 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 really have to think about how are we going to operate differently. And yep. and so there's more to it than just automating or buying software. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I think that leads to the curve, right? I mean, at, at the end of the day, well, we're in the bottom of the first. Maybe there's only one out in the top of the first, for heaven's sakes, right? And and the role, right? I think there's some head, there's some wins, right? Product centric is now no longer a, you know a, an article written by a nobody. It's 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 real, right? Buyers want their hands on the product. There's more POCs than ever before. Like now, you know, 15 years ago to read, we'd say no. Well, you're not doing it, right? Too bad. We're not doing it. But we were in control back then. Today, the buyer has a lot more control. So I think the I think the role of pre-sales has been elevated. I think the, the the number of jobs that we're responsible for, right, has has increased. We have a bigger seat at the table. Um, and so I think what you're what you're hitting on is that you know as these things change, vendors like myself are trying to hit that you know that 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 market perhaps is, is a moving target. Um, and and philosophically, you got to find the company that believes. In the values of Omadim, right? In my case, right? We gotta we gotta find the ones that are saying, hey, the buyer needs to be able to buy in an easier way. And there are others that say, no, 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 we don't want to do that. What we want to do is give the tool to a to a solution engineer to make their job easier, right? Because there's a scale problem. Well, those are two different conversations, right? So yes. I think that's what you're what you guys have highlighted is hey, you know. There's more than one way to add value to the solution engineer, right? And you produce it wasn't it wasn't two vendors, it was 24, you said, plus I think there's a handful of afters, right? You added to it after yeah. the mix. Hey, just out of curiosity, so it started at 24. If you didn't write it today, how many would there be? I just want to know. How many we're would over, there be? We're over 30 now. Over 30. Okay. Yeah. So it's because yeah. because you know the, the analogy you use is when I joined Ariba in 1997, there was three players in e-procurement. By 1999, there was 47. It's crazy. But listen, you know. Ten years later, there was four. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Hey, anyway, yeah. so so well, Carrie, what, and, what, what are you well, if it, well, and if I if I might, I have one more thought, and then uh, kick it over to Carrie. Is companies are going? I believe that companies are going to be investing in more than one tool in this space, 
right? There really is a pre-sales technology stack, right? There's there's pre-sales operations yes. and oversight and management. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. what we call pre-sales opportunity execution. There's there's demo automation. And within demo automation, there's different solutions that can be paired together. So I think one important point, I think, for the listeners to take away from this is that don't think in terms of What's the one tool that I need in presets? There isn't one. There isn't one. No. I think I think you know in five years the more sophisticated pre-sales teams are probably going to have three or four tools that are explicitly yeah. Yeah. you know purchased for their use. Yeah, there's a there's a provider right now. We're not going to mention my name or theirs. That 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 you on the surface you would say, Greg, you compete. We're actually in conversations right now to take their technology, what they do, because it's different than ours, and embed it in our in our strategy, right? Because it 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 helps the solution that you do X, Y, and Z that therefore can be married to what we're doing. No different than you know we got customers that own sales enablement platforms, and we become a you know we're not a replace, we're augmenting that, right? Like CRM, holy macro, right? How many add-ons are that? So I think that's a very valid point. Is that the it, 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 it's in the early stages. I think you're correcting me. You're right. Three years ago. So I know when I started Omadem, there was like, I'm looking around, like who else is doing anything in here? There was one player that I found. Right. And then now, right. You, you know, when I talk to investors, it's like, well, let me give you the page. Right? There's, you know, exactly. is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. Carrie, go ahead. What, what was your kind of, we were on the topic of, you know, kind of, you know, observations learned things. You're like, holy macro. I didn't, I didn't expect. Hey guys, I'm interrupting to tell you a little bit about Omadem. Amadim, my demo spelled backwards, was created to change the outdated way that software is being bought and sold by digitizing the demo. This smarter and faster way of sharing your demo allows your business to have the advantage of time and saving money in this competitive market. If you're interested in learning more about Amadim, you can find our website and LinkedIn in the show notes. Now you can sit back and enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, lots of great points brought up by Chris and, and yourself, Greg. I mean, I I, I think it's it, it was really interesting. I was talking to just to your last point around the the some of the, these vendors being very complementary. I, I think the other thing to realize is that each each of these vendors also thinks they're fairly unique, and in a lot of ways they are, even if they are in the same space. I was talking to SVP of one of the vendors the other day, and and their response in terms of I was asking them who are they seeing in their competes. And they mentioned one of the other top companies in this space. And they said, ultimately, though, we don't think we compete with them. And, and frankly, I agree with them. The use cases for both of those two vendors are so different that one of those vendors is in the wrong compete. Yeah. Right. And I think that's one of the key learnings that Chris and I found that's really critical to point out is buyers really need to understand what their use cases are and be able to prioritize them. Yeah. Right? Yep. Because... They're, they're not going to solve everything with one tool, as Chris just mentioned, right? And so you really got to understand, okay, what are my biggest issues and how do I want to actually leverage these particular technologies to get right. the most gains? We think about demo automation as a subcategory. There are a lot of different uses for this. It could be used top of funnel that marketing might ultimately own. It yep. could be used as a, a post-sale tool for helping educate our customers well, that are already deal. Right now, pre-sales doesn't have to be involved in demoing to your existing customers anymore. Right, yeah. but who necessarily owns it and what their their influences over the purchase and the use of it and how who's gonna who's gonna fund it? These are all considerations that buying organizations need to think about. That if they don't think about that, they're gonna run in a little bit of circles and spin their gears a little bit in their evaluation cycles yeah. because 
they're not going to know if they're evaluating the right tools or not. Yeah, yeah no, I, I could agree more. I mean, there are, listen, I mean, at the end of the day, when one of the biggest challenges of my previous startup that, that, that we had exit was the you know, customer success person was always saying, I need pre-sales resources to demo to these customers. And, and the pre-sales leader was like, I don't get paid on that. Uh, you know, Greg, either fix the comp plan or we're not doing it, right? And it was always this battle. No matter what I did, it was never enough comp or just enough comp, whatever. Because listen, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna stack the deck on customers more than new logos, right? And that's what they were, the team was being paid. So it was always this confrontation until I, I finally said, "Well, go hire your own person for heaven's sakes." Like, like what are you doing, right? Well, then you, then the quality wasn't as good because you didn't, you. Know, I, I'm, I'm a really big believer in like, I watch these companies that go and say, oh, well, you know, top of funnel off the website, we'll put the lead, the junior pre-sales person or the SDR, BDR, make me throw up, right? Because that's not their, SDR, BDR, their job is to prospect. They weren't ever, that that just is more insulting to ever that the demo is not really valuable, right? Oh, anyone can go do it. Anyway, I, I digress because it's one of my pet peeves, but let me talk to you a little bit about the guides out. I'm sure there is going to be, you know, updates, but, but have you, have you been asked or what's your thoughts on a, a, a service ecosystem around this, right? I mean, you know, well, every one of us that sell software in this space will say, oh, yeah, deployment's a, a two-hour exercise and you're up and running, blah, 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 blah. But listen, let's be real, right? What you guys highlighted on is different use cases, different people. They may not have bought software before. They may not have deployed software before. They may not have those resources that are available. So have you guys, I'd love to just get your thoughts on what are you seeing there, right? Um, and you're pointing to me. No, I'm not. No, you're pointing to, to Carrie. Go ahead. Carrie, I mean, like, seriously, I mean, that's is that chapter two? Is that what What do you see in there? I, I, I think it's going to eventually have to come into play. I don't think we're seeing it yet, but I think we're starting to see anecdotal evidence that it needs to be there. And what I mean by that is I, I've talked to, to more than a few companies that have tried to roll these particular solutions out enterprise wide and failed pretty miserably. And I, I think there's a lot of variables that go into play there. I think some of these companies are newer and they haven't necessarily you know, built their implementation methodologies out as quite as mature as would be expected in a very large enterprise organization. I think there's the other challenge, and we, we sort of alluded to it earlier, is that because there's so many different you know, cooks in the kitchen that are potential users of these tools, that there's conflicting objectives and goals for how they should be used, how they should be deployed internally, Good right? Point. And, yeah. and if those don't get resolved beforehand, then it's not going to work. And that's where we're hearing some, some interesting anecdotal evidence there as okay. well. Um, so I think that's another thing that I think organizations should really start to think about getting the quick win, right? Take a specific division or unit or geography, roll out there, get that success story, and then use that as a way to sort of successfully roll it out enterprise-wide from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I think as these a lot of these companies start to raise lots of money and build their organizations and 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 become more mature, they're able to to create better customer success and professional service organizations. We're just, we're not seeing that as a focus for a lot of these yeah. companies yet. You know, and, and and I think too, right? What it's a chicken and the egg, right? I mean, the there is no that I know of a solution engineer on the bench waiting for the next project. And if you bought something new, who's going to deploy it? Like like and you and you end up with well yeah I'll do it next week because this week I got a whole bunch of of, of opportunities to manage and if you don't figure out a way to engage that person in, in, in the, the not I can't do it as a vendor you have to do it to set hey Carrie or Chris are going to deploy this and by the way they're going to be taken off the line for a little bit and compensated fairly for doing so because otherwise it's the I'll get to it next week I'll get to it next week because nothing's more important than 
the opportunity is going to close, quote unquote, this quarter, right? And that's what we're, you know, we we kind of are peeling back the onion on that problem, right? Because some of our customers are, you know, deploying into the thousands and it doesn't happen overnight, right? And it takes, like anything else in life, it takes a focus and someone's going to have to step up and say, yeah, I own that deployment. It can't be the Gregor, Carrier, Chris on the on the ground that's, you know, daytime is the, you know, only you guys can do a day job and a night job with a buyer guy. <laughs> well, but it, but it's, you know, and it's an important point, Greg. I mean, you know, one, one of the plays for certainly a number of the vendors in the, you know, again, what we call the, the pre-sales oversight and management space is that, and, and they say that one of their biggest competitors is, well, we'll just do it in Salesforce, right? Or we'll, we'll just do it in, but, but if, if it's going to be a customization of Salesforce and the pre-sales leaders, the pre-sales team is in essence held hostage by the RevOps team or the sales ops team that, and the, and the Salesforce admin groups, right? And it takes, you know, six to nine months to get anything done there, right? So, so teams, pre-sales leaders really need to think through how are we going to implement who's going to be responsible and it's not and i do think that there's i I see the sort of the the emergence of sort of a cottage industry if i can use that term of consulting services supporting organizations implementing and rolling out these tools right from a methodology perspective from an implementation perspective even from a care and feeding perspective and and if I may, you know, in terms of services that we've thought about, I mean, we we even envision an advisory type service to, frankly, the the vendors at some point and to buying organizations, particularly as this market gets broader and and the decision process gets more complicated. We, we actually see ourselves sort of fill, filling that need as well. So yeah, I, well, you know, listen, I would think stage one for you guys at, at, at a minimum, right? And this is a, what is hey, it some of these. It, let's let's focus on demo automation, right? What you guys call that, right? Is that you know you're automating something, right? Whether it's a a, a, a walkthrough or a video, right? However you've done it, well, you know there's training there too. Just because you're you know you're doing it on a video doesn't mean I do it right. I I've listened to some of my stuff, going, oh my yeah. gosh, Craig, what were you doing, right? Like you know you really got to think. So I think I think the cottage industry or the training can start there as well, right? Is that as you have this absentee buyer that's on their own self-learning and and is that is it right is it different than a face-to-face well heck yeah it is right but how does that all work and and so forth and i think you're i think you're right and i think that then right you guys as as creating this guide need to also kind of you know figure out how you're going to go about i think there is a add-on service or add-on you know kind of juncture that says hey you know advisory service around deployment even if you don't pick a vendor of choice you just said listen i don't care what you're doing whether it's whatever category it is Right. I, I'm, I like your analogy of Salesforce. If you're, hey, we want to use Salesforce. Oh, by the way, you know, the, the, the CFO just said, listen, our forecasting is pretty inaccurate. We got to make a bunch of changes to Salesforce. Guess who's going to win? Right. The CFO is going to get whatever they want. And guess what? As soon as you get that done, they're going to ask for 17 other things that, quote unquote, help pipeline analysis. So you're kind of, you know, rolling uphill. So. I think that's a great place to end it. I think the, you know, that 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 we will see, um, you know, six months from now or so, a, a, a version two. Is that your is that your plan? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the reason we published it as a website and and for everybody's benefit, it's it's not a downloadable report, even though it's called you know the pre-sales buyer's guide. It's a website. And and if I may, it's it's pretty meaty. There there's a lot of information out there. We want to we want to encourage people to, to to take a look at it. 
we're we're actually working on something called a demo excellence framework and and you know the pillars of a def, of this framework are skills process assets and what's the fourth stories so and stories and, and messaging so there there's a lot coming greg um we this is in the very early stages and we're excited to see where this goes next well so are we so are we um listen so in in um in wrapping this thing up right please repeat your companies again and also the the where they where they can find the buyer's guide um and are there any channels for you know um anyone that's listening to this today that may not have been included in version one how do they what's the best way to reach you all website whatever just kind of let's put a little plug in for this you know for everyone on the on this podcast listening these two people right took it upon themselves they're full-time jobs and they said hey it would be helpful to go do this hats off to them it go look at it please when they give you the address it's not a one paragraph per 21 24 minutes it's a lot of research in there and has a lot of categories how long they've been in business how big they are what about their funding what about this what about that you know kind of ballpark revenue numbers etc what they what people would be willing to share so it's a professional document it's not a two peas in a pod decide to just throw this together and see if we can call it something so i, I I'm, a, I'm a user so i've my comment so go ahead and carry go ahead and take it away and introduce everyone to that and then we'll end today awesome appreciate that craig so uh, it, the easiest way to find it is is presalesbuyersguide.com and it is 100 percent free uh we not only do we not charge the vendors to participate we do not charge for access you have to register an account uh, just so we know who you are, but that's literally the only gate, uh, and then you get immediate access to it. Um, so again, presalesbuyersguide.com. It is, and and just to to play on Chris's idea is that the reason why we did it as a website is it allows us to update the information whenever we want. Uh, one of the vendors just this week had a huge Series C raise. That news was, was their profile was updated on the website 15 minutes later. Good, good. Um, we felt that the problem with these downloadable reports is they're immediately out of date as soon as you read them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and we wanted people to have a, a recurring and, and, and more up-to-date uh, information. So Super. Uh, please do check it out. Uh, me personally, Presales Mastery, you can reach me on LinkedIn uh, or presalesmastery.com. And I'm at techsalesadvisors.com, all one word. And and Greg, you said something about the the other vendors. We we want to invite any of the other vendors who have not participated to to reach out to us. If if for some reason we haven't discovered you or found you yet, reach out to us. We're excited to include. You know, we we'd love to hit the number forty in 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 the next release. I don't know if we'll get there. Second like carried away. No, I'm just <laughs> Superb. Yeah. You would, yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm testament to, they reached out to me. They didn't know about us. And, you know, we were, we were, we were given an opportunity to at least say who we are in the, in the, in the guy, which is fair, right? We weren't in the, in the early throws, but you know, that, 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 that was not something he said, Oh no, you didn't make the cut. You're out. You guys were accommodating. So hats off to you. Thank you all both very, very much. And I think this is a great, it's a great podcast. I appreciate you taking the time. And, and, and again, uh, what a great job with the, with the, with the buying guy. Appreciate it. Thank, thank Take you. Care. Great. great to have you. Great to be here. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Convenience Economy Podcast. Thank you to Carrie and Chris for coming on the podcast this week. Everyone go check out their guide that's online now. And we will see you all next week.